and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Vokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode 524. Ooh. That's that's better than a woo. <laughs> <laughs> I, figured, I figured. It's all spooky in July. <laughs> hey, are you guys ready to put on your Halloween costumes and head to the beach? Because it's DC's got us covered for this spooky summer. <laughs> 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 don't worry everybody listening we'll talk about the casting news at the end of this episode but for now we're going to be talking tonight about night terrors green lantern number one take it away dan yep night terrors green lantern number one written by jeremy adams with pencils by eduardo pencia inks by julio ferreira ferreira and colors by luis guerrero and letters by dave sharp uh, this issue's title is doorway to death <laughs> it doesn't have quite that many a's in it but you get the idea uh, so picking up from green lantern number two the nightmare wave has crashed over carol's private jet and everyone but hal jordan seems to be knocked out hal heads for the cockpit only to open the door and find himself standing in the middle of his father's funeral where a the burnt remains of Martin Joran crawl out of the coffin and chase Hal across the room. Suddenly, Hal finds himself standing in Ferris air on the day of his his life-changing forever. His origin story plays out like normal until Abin Sir begins healing himself by draining away Hal's life force. Hal narrowly escapes, but now finds himself on Oa, confronted by the Guardians and the Green Lantern Corps, including Kilowog. The Guardians are reprimanding Hal over what happened on the planet Korrigar regarding the death of a Green Lantern and mention that Hal isn't even a Green Lantern anymore since the United Planets have taken over. And that's when Hal begins to realize that nothing he's experiencing is real because nothing about this particular moment is accurate. By this point, the Guardians had already vanished and Kilowog shouldn't be here. Hal rejects the illusion and is confronted by the mastermind behind night terrors a villain named insomnia hal battles insomnia before being confronted with his final fear as parallax crawls out of the central battery and rushes towards him then we've got a 10-page sinestro backup story written by alex seguero with art by mario fox faculo colors by uh, Parasad rao pressy i don't know if these are their nicknames they're just in there and letters by dave sharp the title of the story is Shards of the Looking Glass Part 1. <laughs> uh, prior to this, <laughs> we've known that Sinestro was in hiding on Earth, but we haven't known why. 
Well, it seems that Sinestro sent himself into exile after the events of Dark Crisis because apparently becoming Pariah's puppet bound by the Great Darkness let Sinestro reach heights he could never have hoped to achieve by himself going so far as to say that it was the best version of himself and now that it's over he's really depressed now he wanders the streets of coast city groveling for his life in the face of random dude bros who beat him up for bumping into them by accident if all that wasn't enough of a nightmare insomnia's nightmare wave shows up and suddenly sinestro finds himself enslaved on the dead remains of his home world of Koragar. Yet another nightmare version of Abinster shows up to make sure Sinestro knows exactly what's happening so he can feel as bad as possible. Then we get the arrival of two other versions of Sinestro. The classic Silver Age villain, representing where Sinestro's life went astray, and the heroic Green Lantern, representing the most enlightened high, like, high point of Sinestro's life. For some reason, the Green Lantern one has seven faces, 17 hands, and at least 10 extra eyes. Uh, So that's the issue, and I'm going to end by reading my very first note, which says, ask Mark what he thinks of the Sinestro story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, before I even go there, why? Why why me in particular? I like Sinestro. There's got to be more to it than that thing. <laughs> no, I just I just read this and I th- I just thought in in my heart of guts that you know, this this is probably going to make Mark angry. Okay. Why do you think it would make me angry? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Mark, tell us what why you love this more than anything you've ever read. Well, I'm not going to say I loved it. I don't hate it. I mean, there's some things oh, that are stupid. Wow. There are some things that are stupid like I mean, it's so impressive they give they they give the the corpse that's supposed to be Abin Sur this uh, little Green Lantern clasp to hold his cloak on. So we all know it's Abin Sur, though it looks nothing like him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though I, the, the the thing I did find the most humorous part the most humorous part of the story was how they re- referenced Dark Dark Crisis as the now classic Dark Crisis. <laughs> yeah, that was the biggest instance of reality bending in this whole. <laughs> I know it's like talk about self-serving. I don't I don't like the beginning where or Sinestro is just he's fallen so much that yeah he's just like this he's just now he's afraid of everything and he's this total loser and think that that now we don't we'll probably get more of an explanation for why he sunk that low I hope but I don't know I that part I didn't like so that but it actually was very specter like this story so that's the only reason I kind of I kind of liked it with the duality and the different and Sinestro dealing with the different parts of himself. And yeah, I don't quite understand why that the Green Lantern version of Sinestro has eyes popping out of every place that we can see and probably a bunch we can't. So I I don't quite understand that. Well, I feel I feel like at least with the eye thing, because they're all portrayed as like a third eye in the center of the forehead. So like is like I I feel like I feel like what this story is leaning into is the idea that that oh once he got his first yellow ring and set out on his own that's where his life went astray but back when he was a green lantern like that is that's the the more high-minded enlightened sinestro that is the the standard he should be achieving to uh, uh aspiring towards or something like that i mean i i think this issue 
is consistent with its own internal logic. I just don't understand how they arrived at that logic because I read Dark Crisis. I read all of the I read the Batman issue Sinestro was in, and like I don't get what was so much better about being enthralled to Pariah and the Great Darkness. Because I mean, Sinestro got some kind of vague power upgrade. But beyond that, it's it didn't seem like I I don't know it's, this this story seems feels like an extreme overreaction to something that was just sort of a footnote in Dark Crisis, or nobody understands what fucking happened in Dark Crisis, including the writers who are following up Dark Crisis, and they're just calling it whatever the hell they want. But Chad, it's a classic. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> It's waste of my money is what it was. No, I, uh, I guess we're starting with the Sinestro backup. I, yeah, I, I um, first of all, I want to say big shout out to the artist of this backup, which is uh, Mario Fulquilio, uh, whatever. Um, Mario follows us over on Twitter and anytime he posts something uh, Green Lantern related, he tags us and Dan and Blogavoa and a bunch of others. Uh, he, knows us and he he tags us in in his little previews and images so uh he's very excited for his work here and uh and uh, has been sharing it in teasers for what dan a few months now right oh yeah like every time a page is finished we would get like a panel from that page yeah to tease it out yeah for sure um so uh, I'm i'm excited to finally see what he's doing here um it uh it looks interesting it's it definitely fits his style the way it gets creepy and ethereal uh with you know kind of classic sinestro morphing into this being and then uh uh green lantern sinestro having the arms and the faces and everything i really like uh particularly i think the page that does reference dark crisis uh, in the fact that we see Hal and uh, Sinestro across from each other with the lantern symbol. And then I really like that panel of Sinestro with the Sinestro core symbol behind it on the same page. Yeah. Um, so uh, some really good work done here. It does suffer a bit, at least on one page. I think the second page of the story from the problems I see, you know, I've, I've talked about before. I just don't like um you know, empty backgrounds in comic panels. And this one page is pretty heavy with it. Uh, and, and kind of the page after, um, but that's, you know, that's preference, I think at the end of the day, but it's, uh, it kind of reminds it's his style kind of reminds me of, um, Doug monkey a little bit, just, just a smidge, like a more cartoonized type or stylized version of monkey. Maybe. Uh, in a way, I could see, I could see, like maybe Doug Monkey, Doug Monkey by way of Tyler Kirkham. Yeah, some, yeah, you, you know what? That's a good way. That's a good way to describe it. What do I think about it? I, I don't know because there's, I don't know that there's enough here to make me speculate about uh, what's happening. It's funny to see Sinestro get picked on by a bully, basically, <laughs> and one punched into the street. <laughs> so that's that's. Uh, like I'm sure some big Sinestro fans, I'm like, you know, Corwin talking about you, buddy, uh, <laughs> would be a little upset, uh, with Sinestro getting punched by just a, uh, a, a drunk machismo man in the middle of the street, uh, just a nobody. But I thought, you know, 
good good on you. <laughs> Sinestro deserves it. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, yeah, I think the only thing to speculate on here or wonder what we're talking about is is the Dark Crisis stuff, which again. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody nobody knows what actually happened. The book itself didn't good, do a good job of explaining what happened while it was happening. The epilogues or any tie-ins didn't do it justice to, t- to explain what was happening or why. So I think everybody's just sort of running with it as, as best they understand it, uh, regardless of whether it makes sense to the reader or not. So I agree. I agree. I'd like to know why he doesn't have his ring. We still don't really know that, but um, that, that's probably something that'll play out maybe in the next issue. I mean, based on the way he talks in this, I assume he, like, took it off and left. He, you know? he wasn't worthy? I'm not worthy! Basically, like, I... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm shocked. I, I was certain Mark would have a visceral reaction to this. But you haven't said why. That's what's fascinating. I mean, you just seem like the type to get mad about about uh, uh, Sinestro mischaracterization. No, Corwin know. is. I know, Corwin but is. but Mark spends time with Corwin sometimes, and it rubs <laughs> off. Oh God, I I don't think kind of what Chad said. I just don't think I don't think we have enough information, period, to really understand what's going on here. So we don't. So I, it's, it's hard to, it does seem, a, it does seem a weird way of deconstructing Sinestro to eventually put him back together, which of course, heaven forbid, you know, somebody not do that, the, 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 not do that these days with, with a hero or a villain. It seems like that's the trope everybody has to do, but I don't know. Uh, maybe it'll make more sense once we get the second part. I, I, or if it doesn't entirely make sense, then maybe when it car- carries back over to the regular book, maybe it'll make sense, but. The curious thing is the fact, obviously, there's something we know that's related to Korrigor because that because it's a house stuff with with Kilowog and the Guardians referred to something that happened on Korrigor, and this is obviously taking Sinestro back to Korrigor, uh, which again it would have to be new Korrigor if something's happening now regarding uh, Kilowog and things like that. But it's either. That's a that's obviously an intra a, an interesting common thread that you can pick up on immediately in both of these stories. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Dan. I was gonna say the import the importance they're placing on Korrigar as the location of what we believe to be a Green Lantern death that's caused Hal to quit. It may like just the fact that it's Korrigar makes me wonder if all the Kilowog clues are misdirect. Is it somebody? But like, at first, I'm like, did they kill? Like, like Sinestro's depressed exile would make a lot more sense if Saranic died. But she's not a Green Lantern anymore, so that couldn't be it. That we know of. Yeah, well, yeah, that we know of. They might have not picked up on that thread. Just like sometimes they don't pick up on any number of threads that we have multitude of examples for. But yeah, you know, it, you know, honestly. And I, I agree with you because the more we get, you know, these new issues and this theory that I've had or whatever, and and me and Myron have shared and stuff like that, and a lot of people seem to be coming on board with, the more we get each issue kind of giving us more and more hints, it's they're not super subtle if you think about it. So I am worried that it's a it's they're they're intentionally mistaken clues. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I I don't know. 
I don't know that for sure. Um, it seems a weird game to play right now, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's not the game being played. So who knows? Um, that said, you know, we, we definitely get it. We were talking about, uh, let's see, just to add, add to the checklist out there. If anybody's following along with the, the theory, we talk about the death on Korgar. Uh, and he says, let's see, this isn't right. No, this, the room, you Kilowog. It definitely seems to be holding true. Uh, I will say I wasn't that sold on the art at this, at least at first. And then it got better. Um, the more we saw things in action, the guardians, their faces contorting, uh, things in shadow, uh, the monsters. And I, re- I, I don't know. Mark, maybe you have something to say about the actual design. I really like that last page with Parallax. As a matter of fact, while we were talking, I quickly tweeted the artist to say, like, dude, do you have like a high res photo of the pencils of this? Because I want to see that Uh, because I really like this last page. It's not, you know, how how it's fine. But Parallax, look at all the look at the amount of detail, the line work on every little line work on his face to showcase wrinkles and stuff the shading this thing looks crazy good yeah well it's not again the entity is not my favorite thing but (laughs) and certainly not the more the more blocky chunky version of him as opposed to the more insect looking one uh when we first got him but it it is nice not it's no surprise to anyone and i don't mean even just reading some of the stuff adam said that to to put two and two together to figure parallax was going to show up in this thing. I would I was hoping obviously it was going to be the real parallax, not the entity, since that would seemingly have more to do with Hal's fears than the entity. It's than I think the entity itself, mm-hmm. the fear of what of Hal losing control of what Hal was of Hal giving giving way to, not just to his fears, but just giving into his weakness and not being able to resist and everything else. That which is interesting because I remember. Because I remember this week reading when when in Myron's review uh, when he talked about that I think he, that he said something to the effect that he wasn't looking forward to seeing Hal fight Parallax again because uh, we've already know that we already know that Hal can tame Parallax. And it's like well we actually don't <laughs> because Hal's never really been because Hal I mean when when was the last when was Hal really successful one on one in beating Parallax or re, or getting Parallax out of himself? He really has never been. <laughs> Yeah. How did it go down in Green Lantern 50 and Blackest Night? Yeah, in Black and Green Lantern 50, I think it was Ganthit and some and maybe Carol that helped pull the help. Oh, that's yeah, I do remember Carol being a ball. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. and so which is to me and I'm not, I don't want to go off on this tangent for long. To me, that was one of the most inherently disappointing things about when they made him parallax again, because he had a Green Lantern ring on at the time, which could have automatically given him more control. And they still had him basically not controlling the ent- the entity. And I thought that was a ama- that could have been a cool thing to show that Hal had mastered or was able capable of reigning in parallax, even for short periods of time. But yeah. so, yeah, I. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you really break it down in its lowest common denominator, then, yes, the entity itself is is Hal's real enemy here because but. I don't think it's yeah. as interesting. <laughs> well, something I'm really looking forward to for next issue is the potential to kind of redefine Hal's relationship with Parallax or 
or rather use the relationship with Parallax to tell us something about the character that doesn't usually get said. Because some, like something I absolutely love is the this whole sequence with Abin Sir. Because like when when they go to the origin, I'm like, oh god, okay, we're see. It, at first, I thought we're just spinning our wheels revisiting the origin again, but like the things that are said and done in that specific nightmare sequence are so spe- they're so specific and so meaningful to everything else that Jeremy Adams has written with this character so far. And that's only two issues before this. <laughs> but so so what happens is like, oh, we see the whole the classic thing play out where Hal gets pulled to the crash ship, Abin hands Hal the ring, Hal puts on the ring. But in this iteration, the ring drains Hal's life force away to give to Abin Sir. In this moment, Hal is just regular old Hal Jordan. Abin Sir is Green Lantern. Hal putting on the ring is literally taking Hal's life away and giving it to Green Lantern. And be, like combine that with what Abin says to him the very next page, where he's like, he's he's like, I can tell you have strong willpower, but willpower isn't enough. It never has been. Like this is all speaking directly to what we've been reading about in Green Lantern number one and two, where Hal went all in on being Green Lantern to the point that he had nothing else in his life anymore. So when he didn't have Green Lantern anymore, he had nothing. And how has he been trying to compensate for that? How has he been trying to fix that? By going all in on his willpower and just pressing forward and being persistent. That'll get my job back. That'll get my love life back on track. Except no, it won't. Because willpower isn't enough. And the fact that this is all playing out inside Hal's mind means that he knows that. But he's just hoping that if he keeps pushing forward, he won't have to find something new. Yeah, I I do think, too, it's probably, especially with everything we've been saying about how Hal's attitude uh, and sometimes borderline creepy interactions with um, with Carol I'm wondering what each, you know, because what you were talking about, the kind of metaphor behind what's happening in the scene with Abin, what does it then mean for the scene with Carol? Because his fear here is she's not buying into his bullshit. Like, I'm I'm obviously like, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening. I'm saying I'm actually speculating on what is his fear here. Um, if even if even the 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 crux of Night Terrors is necessarily just fear specifically um, because we see the word used, but is that all that night terrors is about is, is in other words, is terror something different than fear? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it should be, it should be like taken to a higher level. It's like the yeah. difference. It's like the difference between surprised and shocked. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, you know, because she's very just absolutely not only like not having it, but like getting furious at him every single time. So that's interesting. I mean, Uh, she she immediately throws his job back in his face. Like, how about you do this? or You're fucking fired. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, I read this scene and my immediately my immediate reaction was 
was like, oh, they're reminding us that they're not in a rocky patch. Their relationship was just always like this from the very beginning. Hmm. Okay. Because I know, like, like we've it's come up before that Jeremy Adams has said like he doesn't, or at least at the time, did not have a planned endpoint for where the Hal Carroll relationship is going. Yeah, he was seeing both ends basically as as viable options within their characterizations. Yeah, like, but I I think it's and this might just be my bias, but like I find it very easy to read these two pages as as oh maybe there wasn't really much there to begin with. That doesn't mean nothing grew, but it also means that to a certain extent. Hal's flirtatious nature has been more performative than he ever mm. led on. As of what, like, like in this, like he's he's kind of trying to, like, she's calling him out for not doing his job in a t- in a timely manner that would satisfy their clients, and he's trying to deflect by by being flirty. And when that doesn't work, he's like, yeah, yeah, all right, let me get in the the thing and do my job. God damn it. So like, I don't know. It's it's there's 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 more to it than the surface level of what these characters say to each other. I agree. Like it's the this, the whole thing with Carol too is like, and and this is my one opinion. I've mentioned this before on the show. I don't believe Hal and Carol belong together. That said. Like if we, you know, and, and we clearly will and, and we'll talk about casting stuff later. But like, you know, in the upcoming Lanterns sh- show from HBO, we're supposed to be getting Hal Jordan. If we get live action stuff or, or big entries in multimedia of Green Lantern and I don't see it's especially if Hal Jordan is one of our main POV characters and we don't see supporting casts like Carol Ferris, especially involved in that story. I'm going to be upset because like, you know, she is an important part of the mythos that said, while I see her as an important part of the green lantern universe, I don't see her as Hal's end all be all. And I never have, I've never bought Carol. Like I buy Barry and Iris outside of the flash. I can't stand that relationship. Like the TV show. Um, (laughs) Uh, and uh, I don't I don't buy her like I buy, you know, Sue and Ralph uh, or, or or Clark and Lois. Like I I don't see her as the end all be all for how um, and I, I never have. Um, so I wouldn't be mad if these two, you know, parted ways as a result of this series and, and not necessarily, you know, again, she's an important part of the mythos. She should be in Hal's life. But. As as his um, as his lightning rod. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did want to point out, though, again, that last page I was taught with Parallax. I also really like the page when he first gets sucked over to the Guardians and we see the battery in the background and Oa and the cityscape and the, some of the lanterns down below. I if somebody could find that page without the word bubble, I would immediately make that my wallpaper background on my phone. Yeah. Uh, because that's awesome because that's like if without the context of the book, that is a scene we see all the time. And I'm talking like from the silver from the moment we got introduced to Hal and the Guardians being a thing, him being summoned in front of the Guardians to be scolded. <laughs> this is something we see 
all the time. <laughs> and I really like it. I really like how it's rendered here. Oh yeah, that's actually another thing. The battery and the buildings around it aren't there anymore either. That's true. That's true. I I I like and appreciate the fact that um that uh Insomnia, the villain of Night Terrors, comes out and says like, "All right, you know, what? good on you. You resisted better than anyone else on this planet." Like which it, he like should. It, yeah, it makes sense for Hal Jordan to be like like there's no other members of the Green Lantern Corps on the Earth right now. It makes sense that Hal Jordan is the one person on Earth that can fight back against us the best. And it actually makes sense that this this third nightmare is the least accurate because um Insomnia says like look, I had to I had to really like mold things and like move parts around to try and get the the desired effect because of how well you're fighting back against this. I kind of wish that Hal's constructs that he uses when he attacks Insomnia directly were like something other than generic centurions. Like this seems like the best possible time to pull out constructs that have deep personal meaning to him. <laughs> True, but he's fighting literal monsters, so maybe Maybe fighting monsters with, you know, stuff you've seen fighting monsters in the past makes sense to him. Yeah. Uh, the the biggest complaint I had about the issue was they they let that one text blurb in the bottom left corner of the title page do a lot of heavy lifting. Like, you will not know what's happening if you don't read it. And it's kind of in a place that's easy to miss because it's right next to, like, credits and stuff. Yeah. And it's especially weird because they have how speak directly to insomnia in in a couple panels that could have delivered some of this exposition instead but yeah flipping through it now yeah i think this is the art is is very effective for what is essentially a horror book like you mentioned the like the big splash pages but i actually really love the uh the look that Hal has when like when he's in the simulator and it's first starting to to take off and it's similar to later on when he's in full costume yelling you know who are you it's just like a really like fun kinetic like like annoyed facial expression that they gave him yeah what do you sure. what do we what do we think about the the funeral scene about the detail of like like the fear regarding his father that he goes back to isn't the moment of the crash, but it's rather it's what became of his dad afterwards. Which is technically accurate because zombie Martin Jordan's walking around somewhere late than the last time we saw him with black hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's a preview. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I, I, on the one hand I get it on the other hand, cause like this is something that happens all the time. Like with, you know, I, you know, using other examples in DC again with Barry, we have to keep coming back to those moments where his mother died with, with, uh, with Clark, depending on which version you get the moment that Jonathan dies or his loss of Krypton or, you know, whatever. There's these things that we have to keep cutting back to. It is a bit annoying when we have to keep cutting back to, um, Hal and his father, especially being the man, you know, quote unquote, without fear, who's, you'd think that he's, not that you ever really get over the loss of a parent, but like, I assume, uh, luckily I haven't been through that yet. Uh, knock on wood, but we all have to go through it at some point, but I, I hear you never really get over it, but at the same time, how in particular with his power set with the ring and everything, I, I, 
I don't see Hal as necessarily not having put it out of his mind, but Hal has accepted it. I think he uses it as fuel. He, uh, he, when he sees his father, he remembers him fondly and allows that memory to push him forward. Um, I, I think of that scene from, was it uh Venditti's run where he's, uh, going through, I think it's, uh, he's, racing light ray or something in the jet and his father's yes. there. Yeah. So I just, I, it's something that Hal has has grown to accept and live with as opposed to allow to haunt him. Yeah. This issue walks a very careful line between showing Hal as the best person in the world at fighting back against fear while also having a handful of extremely deeply rooted fears that are always with him that don't, impede his ability to be a great green lantern but are probably responsible for his deficiencies in other areas of his life and i mean like i this could have very easily just been you know let's do the greatest hits of hal's traumatic past but each time we're seeing something a little different or from a little different point of view or get in the case of the avon sir scene getting insight to what Hal might actually think about his life and his ring and where, and the path he's on. You know, it's interesting actually now. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're good. It's interesting. Now that you say it, I, I really logistically up until we see parallax, at least according to what we're actually being told in this issue, I shouldn't be bothered by any of this, including the scene with his father, because Insomnia himself says I had to try a couple of different things to find it. So it's not that the scene with his father is really uh, something that haunts him because it literally isn't. It's not a good enough moment. Yeah. 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 It's kind of escalates. Yeah. So like I'm looking forward to the second issue of this be pretty much because I don't think it's going to be just another Hal versus Parallax confrontation. Like if, if it follows the pattern of these other encounters, this is going to mean something and mm-hmm. it's going to mean something that we're not used to exploring with Hal. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of things that we're not used to exploring with Hal, uh, it doesn't come up very often, but it comes up very strongly in the beginning of this issue. Uh, remember reminder that Hal is Jewish, everybody. Mm hmm. And I think that's it. Unless, Mark, do you have anything else you want to say about this? When you look at the things that happened, I mean, Dan gave a good explanation for it. The uh, the thing that surprised me the most when you're looking at them in just kind of like segments or vignettes was the Abin Sur thing. That because of the fact that, again, if you're looking for moments of fear, that was something that would be an odd, that was an odd choice. But I think Dan was right that it that that is we can analyze that as being a reflection upon where Hal is now. And what Hal thinks he is without being Green Lantern, that the fear of maybe that, that that's all he is. So I think and plus that was the most surprising because having hey, having zombie Martin Jordan, it's like, OK, well, that's kind of like a variation of a theme. He's really dead. He's doing this. But having have the, the origin story play out and it's like, hey, put this ring on. And it's like a, just so I can suck you dry of energy. <laughs> that was that, that, that was that was pretty that was pretty nicely done, even though that you can make a case that was the least impressive result resolution maybe of these individual nightmares that he got out of that because he just kind of like but i don't know i liked it overall i I thought it was i thought it was good 
Yeah. I just like that Abinster refused to die for once. <laughs> Twice, technically, if you go yeah. to the Sinestro thing. Oh, God, yeah. For the listeners at home, I'm going to quickly read the synopsis for the upcoming issue, too, because it's going to lead me to a question I want to ask the guys. Uh, even Sinestro has something to fear, as Hal Jordan is swallowed by the nightmare wave. Earth's Green Lantern shows this new malevolent threat what a man with the willpower to overcome fear can do. Meanwhile, as Sinestro grapples with the terrifying new dreamscape he's t- trapped in, we take a psychological roller coaster ride through his darkest fears and most painful regrets. Which leads me to my question if Sinestro is tangentially or directly responsible for the death of Kilowog, incl- assuming that theory is correct, do we think Sinestro's exile is self imposed? To me, I thought it was kind of implied that he is in exile by on his own, regardless of whether regardless of whether the events on Korogar and relating to and if that's related to Kilowog dying. I've kind of I mean I Well, I, I guess I, I guess what I'm asking is does does Sinestro and his villainous actions and stuff, would he care enough about having had to kill Kilowog to do this to himself? I don't think so. I like to think he would, but like I, I don't know anymore. I mean, as we know, the biggest tragedy in Sinestro's life is that he and Hal have always <laughs> been friends. <laughs> uh, something I will remind Mark of at every turn. <laughs> that kiss between them was just a kiss. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the way that Sinestro talks about it in this issue make like gives me the impression that this wasn't something done to him. And he like he spends the entire issue being really down on himself. So I feel like this was a choice that he made because, I mean, you know, who has the authority to make the leader of the Sinestro Corps go into exile? And if it was over, well, maybe I don't know. (laughs) If you you really want to piss Mark off, the United Planets did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Plus, I don't think anybody. Other than Sora, nobody in the Sinestro Corps would care if Kilowog died. Like, but like Sinestro has history with him going way back to a time in his life that we now know he possibly thinks of as the best. Well, not the best time. Uh, the Dark Crisis was the best time of his life. It was, it was a classic. I had the time of my life. <laughs> but like, like Sinestro idealizes his days as a Green Lantern in a way that, that, you know, I, if they made the connection that Kilowog's death had an extreme impact on Sinestro, especially if Sinestro had a hand in that death, I would probably, I, I could, I, I would buy it. Yeah. I just, it's hard to say because this Sinestro has been characterized so many different ways, even recently, but I like to think with my overall the the overall knowledge I do have of the character, his relationship, he's never never is a strong word. He's not been always a straight out and out villain, 100 percent, you know, against the core, a, willing to kill every single member of it for without a thought behind it, without any consideration or, or remorse. He's never been again, never. Um, he's not been typically portrayed as always just being that person. So 
Though they, though they do like reference that, it in this story about yeah, how he would, he would kill without a second thought. So I don't know. It's it, it, To me, though, I think there are certain people uh, that mean enough to him, even if they're on the other side. And I think Kilowog is one of them. And of course, I think Tomar Ray would be one of them, too, if Tomar was still alive um, and stuff like that. I just mm, like it. I can it, it's it's one of those things where I can see it. But I also don't know if I'd buy it, you know, unless I mean, Sinestro had some remorse behind it. Like Sinestro is the kind of person who will fight the Green Lantern Corps and not hold anything back because he believes in his heart of hearts that the Green Lantern Corps needs to be as strong as it can be. And if its members aren't strong enough to survive, then they shouldn't be there. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have people there that he would consider even his friends. Like, especially the ones that go way back, like Hal and Kilowog and Tomar and all them. But, like, I don't know. Like, like to a certain extent, like, I think Sinestro is fine with pushing as hard against the Green Lantern Corps as he does because he knows they can take it or at least believes they should be able to. I don't think he ever... I don't... I, I don't think there have been very many instances in the in the character's history as we understand it today through a modern lens where Sinestro has ever actually intended or expected Hal Jordan to die when he fought him. Mm. Gotcha. Okay, that was just the last question I wanted to ask because this issue got me thinking about it. Yeah, it's a weird question because it's like, it depends entirely on how many layers of retcon are currently there because it's like, okay, well, on the one hand, a Kilowog has been there since, since like the beginning, but on the other hand, Oh no, he wasn't, he wasn't introduced until after crisis. True. I mean, retroactively there since yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that was uh, night terrors, green lantern number one. Yeah. So on to the casting news. Let's do it. All right, you guys. Fill us in. Fill <laughs> shut, in. Shut up, fill, shut up. A, fill us in. Uh, all right, great. Thank you for that. Garden. Uh, Jim Ford, everybody. I mean, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> Why don't you fill in the garden? No. no. With, all right, stop. <laughs> with with so, plants. As we news. record this, uh, yesterday, Vanity Fair broke the news that we have. Uh, in the Superman Legacy movie, we have not only our Superman and our Lois, we have new characters who will be playing, uh, or new actors who will be playing Hawkgirl, as well as Mr. Terrific. And even today, we got news that we will be getting a Metamorpho. But in yesterday's announcement, we got an, we got, uh, news that Green Lantern alum, Nathan Fillion, will be playing the role of Guy Gardner. In Superman Legacy. Woohoo! Um, uh, I didn't name the other actors because uh, we can touch on them later if we want. Also, I don't want to butcher their names. <laughs> um, so there's that. There's also some other stuff that has two other things that have popped up online that about this. I wanted directly from James Gunn himself, which I think are important to the conversation. Um, somebody asked, you know, what happened to Finn Whitrock, who was supposed to be playing Gardner in the previous version of the, uh, of the Lantern series over at HBO. James Gunn had answered that and said, the Green Lantern show is not separate. 
Nate will play a guy in all parts of the DCU. Okay. Uh, some, uh, and then a tweet after the news came out or uh, a thread, which is Instagram's new platform or whatever. James Gunn also addressed some of the, the thoughts out there about all these characters being uh, announced. And he said, I've never, uh, I've, I've never used one movie to set up another movie. The characters are there because they help to tell Superman's story better. Not so we can set up separate projects in the franchise. Superman and Lois are the very clear protagonists. So I guess a lot of people were like, sure are announcing a lot of people. Uh, you must be just there to set up and, you know, bait for the other stuff. And that's, he was clearly responding to that. So those are the two things I found online. Uh, in James Gunn's own words, following this news, I thought were important to consider. Yeah, Dan. Woohoo! Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm happy. Let me retract like, that. <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> it's, I think this is really cool news. Like, it, like I never would have thought that the the next big screen human Green Lantern would be Guy Gardner, <laughs> and and the fact that we're going to let let an actor like Nathan Fillion play with that character and that role is like this could be so much fun. Because we know he can be goofy, we know he can be kind of an asshole based on like Firefly. We like, like all of the pieces are there. I just hope, like, I want this to be a scenery chewing kind of performance. And you know, we don't know how how big of a part he'll have in the story or or whatever. But like, I don't know. I think I just think this is this has a lot of potential to be something really cool. Like, I was already interested in seeing what James Gunn could do with a Superman movie. And I, I'll be honest, I was kind of concerned too about all of these other characters that are suddenly being announced for it. But, you know, like the potential for what could be a really fun performance in a cool movie is outweighing everything else for me. And I'm just, I can't wait to see it. It is still hard to imagine if we're going to, it's kind of, on one level, it does kind of suck that, that the first Green Lantern we get on screen again is going to be Guy on some level. But it's easier, it's easier to digest because we know John and Hal are coming. And, and as Chad mentioned and other people have mentioned, it's the idea that the fact that Nathan Fillion is as old as he is and he's playing Guy, what, you know, what kind of trickle down effect is that going to have on Hal and John? Does that mean necessarily they're going to stagger the ages if, if they're making guy like in like in his in his fifties? Does that mean Hal's going to be closer to forty? Does that mean that John Stewart's going to be closer to thirty? Or does will it have no bearing? I mean, I don't think they'll make Hal anywhere near as old as they're doing for Guy. Maybe they just maybe they maybe Guy whatever Guy's role is going to be in the DCU going forward is not going to be that that big where you have to worry about him aging out. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm sure he'll do, I'm sure he'll do a good job. I so that and at least it ends the endless oh Hal Jordan Nathan Fillion's got to be Hal Jordan debate. Even though the main reason he was always disqualified was because he was too old. So there's a certain irony <laughs> to the fact that he's playing Guy Gardner who should be I do I, like Isabella Merced. I like her period. So I think she's I, I think the cool thing about her being Hawkgirl is the fact that they really have something they can play off of from the from the size from the size differential because she's like five one. So the fact that she's kind of like she's kind of like the what they did with Nat she's like Natalie Portman pretty much except yeah I'm not sure if Natalie Portman's actually five one I don't think she's tall but I'm not sure if she's five one 
but it's kind of like the idea. I'm sure she'll bulk up, but the reality, but I don't think they're going to, I, I don't know if they're going to actually go out of the way to try to make her taller. They're going to just play. I think they're probably, I have a feeling they're going to play off the fact that she's short and just use that as a, to make it stand out more. And I think that kind of would be a nice change. I also wonder if they're going to make her Shira or Kendra. That is true. I just like, I appreciate the fact that they're, they're making the live action Dora the Explorer into Hawkgirl, which is oddly thematically appropriate to the point that, hey, is this typecasting at this point? That's <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and she unfortunately was in the worst, which is, a, which is hard to say definitively because most of them have been horrible. But she was in the absolute worst Transformers movie, The Last Night, as well. <laughs> oh, my God. But she was in other stuff that's cool. Hey, Natalie Portman's five for three, so she does win on that front. Good for Natalie. Good I'm for her. I'm happy. For those playing along at home, um, Nathan Fillion is a Green Lantern fan. Um, not just I, – I, I, if I remember right, he read the comics as a kid or collects them even currently, maybe? I'm not sure. Um, I've seen pictures of him, like – like giving Robert Venditti a really big ass hug before. Like <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he's an active fan of Green Lantern. He has, and when I said Green Lantern alum, I'm specifically referring to, he has voiced Hal Jordan in Green Lantern Emerald Knights, Justice League Doom, Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox, Justice League Throne of Atlantis, Reign of the Superman, The Death of Superman, and all three DC Comics robot chicken specials. So there have also the guy, been live action uh comedy sketches where he's dressed in like a uh convenience store green lantern halloween costume yeah so he's he's definitely been a uh uh a factor with green lantern before he's familiar with the mythos he's familiar with you know obviously he's literally the voice of hal jordan but he's familiar with the voice of a lantern in terms of what a lantern does and how they present themselves and stuff like that so uh, I have no problem believing he'll be able to play the role. I have no problem believing I'm going to love it. Again, as Mark had mentioned, I was talking online about what does this mean for the ages of the other lanterns and stuff like that. Nathan doesn't necessarily, depending on like makeup and stuff. And of course there's AI or, or digital editing and stuff. I don't think Nathan, even outside of digital editing, I don't think he looks 52. So we don't necessarily maybe maybe guy, you know, the character of guy will be in his early to mid 40s or something like that. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to work, but I, I'm uh, I'm excited to see it. I hope they make him a redhead, but I'm not going to lose my mind like some people on Twitter. Uh, they, if he, they, if he, they said that, he, that he's going to have a bowl cut. All right. Well, well there you well, go. I think what I think what James Gunn said that that. I think he was pseudo joking, saying that's a part of the reason why he cast him was just to give, just to give Nathan Fillion a bowl cut. So, <laughs> so it doesn't, so it doesn't mean what hundred. I mean, because it's really debatable. If you're gonna give him the bowl cut, it's only I think because you want to have that classic look. But obviously, it's something they can literally and figuratively can grow out of as they as they went on. I, it would be weird for me seeing him with a bowl cut now, since we're so used to God not having a bowl cut for friggin' like thirty years. Yeah. And we should say, like, we don't know, like, we don't even know, like, we're going to see him, like, suited up and using Green Lantern powers in the Superman movie. Like, it could be as simple as, like, he's tending bar or something. Like, like we could just see him in character walking into the room wearing a T-shirt with a big W on it. Like, who knows? As long as we get, like, that smarmy cocksure, like, 
attitude, like I I'll be I'll be satisfied. Like I think I think that like him being a little older might actually help the character a little bit since it would it would make more sense with how like jaded by life he is all the time. Like it would make a little sense for him to be a few years older than like Hal and John. Yeah, that's true. But only a few. Yeah, because you want you. you want them to be contemporary of each other to a certain extent because that's part that's part of their relationship or the dynamics that they're all around the same age. They just are completely different people with completely different worldviews and attitudes. And so, yeah. I mean, you can still play off on that. Obviously, if you stagger it, you know, if they were theoretically, if they were like about close to ten years apart in age, then you would have some natural. But that, but it's in a way to me anyway, it's more intriguing the fact that. These are all contemporaries of each other, but yet they're all completely different. <laughs> yeah. Although imagine imagine how much worse it would be for Guy if, oh, he's getting passed over again by people 10 years younger than him. That would just make it even, like, that would piss him off so much more. The guy who's playing Mr. Terrific, Eddie Gathigi, Gathke, he, the only thing I remember for sure seeing him in, uh, I'm looking at his IMDb, uh, he was Darwin in um, X-Men First Class. Yep. So I definitely remember. He's been in a lot of stuff. But in terms of what I remember him from, there's that. And then there's also, there's the guy that is going, that was announced today to be playing Metamorpho, Anthony Kerrigan. I, I recognize his face because I, but what I recognize him actually from season one of The Flash. He was the mist huh. in The Flash. So that's cool. Yeah. I think it's very exciting that we we're we're a few weeks away from live action Blue Beetle in the movies. We're a few years away from live action Guy Gardner in the movies, and part of me is going to wait to be proven wrong that the big screen Justice League won't be based on the the JLI. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm excited about all this news and stuff because you know people are taking online or you know because you know Twitter's a negative cesspool. Uh, oftentimes but some people online are obviously taking the negative it be like oh there's so many characters they're announcing they're they're taking a deadpool 3 approach because deadpool 3 is announcing a bunch of shit too and they're like so many characters we don't care them eventually i'm not going to care about the movie itself they're doing kind of the same thing with uh superman legacy because of all these announcements right now and in my mind i'm like awesome bring it on because <laughs> like the characters like Metamorpho, Hot Girl, Mr. Terrific, Guy Gardner, like that's really cool. But we've been saying all along since we got this announcement that this universe is already in progress. We're not getting a Superman origin story. This universe is here and has been here for we don't know how long exactly, but this is an established universe that we're just kind of jumping into. So what's the best way to do that? populate the world with characters don't just make your superman movie the metropolis based people and that we're we expect to see jimmy and lois and perry and clark and huh. jonathan and martha and stuff like that and then never see any other side of dc intersect with it until we get the next movie this is a lived-in world how else do you make it feel lived in other than yeah he's got contacts with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and he meets up with you know, the, you know, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen in the film, but like occasionally he's got to answer his Justice League communicator and go to the watchtower and have a meeting with the hero. Like 
this is a lived in universe. It should feel lived in. If nobody is saying that these characters are going to be, you know, a main focus of the movie for the majority of the movie, we're saying they're in the movie. That's it. And it's funny that you, you saying that makes me remember the fact that, uh, you know, Hawkgirl's in this movie, obviously. And in the Dawn of DC Hawkgirl book that starts this month, she is based out of Metropolis. And later on in the year, we're getting a Fire and Ice book, and they're based out of Smallville. So they've like, been exiled to Smallville. Well, yeah, I don't know what that story is with that, but like it, like characters that aren't usually in Superman's orbit are now, and. It's interesting to see at least one of those ref- like those uh, changes reflected in this new Superman movie. Um, but I'm, gl- I'm glad that you brought up Deadpool because there is a there's a fundamental difference between all of the, the cameos or whatever that are being announced for Superman and all the cameos being announced for Deadpool because Deadpool is very firmly in the camp of this this movie trend we've been having lately where it's all nostalgia fueled cameos it's hey what can what actors can we bring back to reprise their roles to get people to come see this movie because they miss the old thing they miss the thing they grew up with and if if the actors aren't alive can we cg them into the movie (laughs) but with with superman you know other than comic fans who have nostalgia for these characters the general audience doesn't have that like these characters being added to the movie isn't about looking backwards it's about looking forwards it's about building something going in the right direction for a change it's not about about baiting people in based on their nostalgia it's about like you said, populating a world going forward. Mm-hmm. Mark, how do you feel about all these announcements? Is it is it concerning to you that no, we're already seeing so many of these no, characters? No, because or? again, there's the only because there's like two different arguments here. On some level, you'd be you could be concerned because of the fact there's no reason if you look at James Gunn's track record to be concerned that he can't juggle a bunch of characters in different ways and not let have it impact the story in a in a and derail the story and just because you have a couple of cameos or a couple of secondary characters that have a scene and you know guardians 3 wasn't derailed because howard the duck showed back up again in fact almost everybody that was in guardians 1 and 2 had had a moment and they were still alive had, and then some and still had a moments in guardians 3 but so i don't think that's an issue because again a lot of these they're, they're, they're probably gonna if the most of these characters will probably have a scene Maybe two, but it's probably one of even be like, might not even be like a minute of screen time if you added up the amount of time that each of one of these characters is going to be in this. They may have like a minute each. But the other argument or concern would be if this, because you already see, you've already seen this argument against James Gunn, the fact that he's playing the narcissism, the narcissism card too much. And he's just putting too many people that, you know, too many of his friends and, and his wife and all these, the Tim Burton effect that you keep which isn't unique just to either one of these guys, but the idea that you just, Scorsese does it too. You just keep putting the same people in your movies over Woody Allen for phases, the same people in your movie over and over again. So that would be more of a concern, except at least, you know, we're, we're at least filling in getting a major role. 
as far as character wise, probably not a major role as in impactful in this movie, but he's getting a real he's not a he's not a no name character for the most part, like like all the cameos that were in Guardians three during that like half 20 minute 25 minute segment. So I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think the whole point, the one thing we can take and we he already told us this, but we're seeing more evidence of it is that the, we're not going to be phase one of the DCU is not going to be an origin phase. We don't have to worry about, oh, we're going to get a, another version of Superman's origin and we're going to another version of Batman's origin. And basically almost everything is in media rest. Reyes here. I can't speak tonight in media rest. Everything is it, we're starting in the middle with a lot of the stuff established. And I think so that is a different approach. But I think that I think that's probably a a healthy approach at this point. If you're doing a reboot, whether it's how hard or how soft it is, we'll have to see. You know, I just realized. What if the reason that we're going to be able to see so many characters in this movie is because at some point. Clark and or Lois. Walk into warriors. And guys tending bar. And like Mr. Terrific and Hawk Girl are like talking over some like steak fries. And, like it's down. just like yeah, it's wanna, just like that kind of scene. Yeah. yeah, I'm down. Like like the extent of Guy Gardner in this movie could be five minutes where he's he's pouring Clark a drink and like reaches for a glass a glass behind him without moving because he has his ring to it. Like that could be it, and it could be like a some really cool like Guy Gardner smarminess for five minutes and then we're back to the Superman movie. Like like it could like everybody assumes like, oh well if all these characters are in the movie, then they must have this must be a team movie and then they must all have important things to do. It could be that they're there for atmosphere. It could be there that they're there for a really cool crowd shot in this in this iconic environment, you know? Yeah. Yep. And just putting it out there because both Dan and I mentioned it on Twitter today. If any news organizations covering this uh, news, oh would my like, God, would like to reach out to the Lantern cast as potential Lantern fact checkers, because after all, we are Lanternologists. We'd be happy to help you out with uh, some of you out there who are struggling to know what the fuck you're talking about. Because CNN today was talking about this, and I, I I just pulled up their article again. It was updated as of 9.34 p.m., so they must have changed something. But uh, their article was talked about quite a bit by both Dan and myself and several other people we uh, we interact with over on Twitter as being an absolute shit show of information just trying to figure out <laughs> what the character Guy Gardner is playing. And I think that at one point they referred to it as an alien entity. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, they just sort of typed words and and didn't know what the words meant. And that like would probably tell, be an improvement for CNN. Actually, like <laughs> you can tell that it was somebody who didn't know anything about the topic, and they googled it just enough to be able to also mention for some reason that like, well, and the last time Green Lantern was in the movies, it was Ryan Reynolds, and that didn't go great. But like, it's. It's it's somehow less informative than an article where the title tells you everything, you know? <laughs> no, an in, in, in intern wrote this. Absolutely. There's no way. It had to have been an intern. Uh, it's uh, it's bad out there, people. 
and and just and just imagine that same level of dedication is what gets applied to covering the actual news yeah yeah for sure all right anything else casting or about this issue that we talked about tonight or anything else that we wanted to talk about i don't think so what you dan i mean i i forgot to bring it up earlier but uh i i actually really like this uh title graphic for the night terrors books where it's like it's kind of like the a plaque on top of like a a tomb. Yeah, it's where, very like, gravestone esque. Yeah, yeah, with the skull on top and it just says Night Terrors and then the name of the, the character. Like it looks good. It's not bad. Uh, it's not bad. It makes me wish that we did get that uh allegedly Jeff Lemire written Green Lantern horror book. But uh, in lieu of that, I'm glad we have this Green Lantern horror book for one more issue. For sure. And once we, I think, you know, assuming we have enough time, when we cover Green Lantern Night Terrors 2, I'll talk a, a, at least a little bit about the main series. Not, I'm not reading any of the tie-ins, but the, the main series itself with Dead Men and stuff. I, I think we only have uh, the free comic book day teaser. We have uh, for the first blood issue and issue number one. That's all we have out right now. So uh, not really m- worth talking about it right now. But I'll, I'll I'll mention what I think about the quote unquote event as a uh, as a whole, I guess, outside of the tie ins uh, when we talk about that issue. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear if there are any other tie ins that are pretty good. Like I, that Shazam one looks interesting, but I'm hearing I'm from sure. some people the Joker one is good, but I don't care about the Joker right now. OK. All right, Dan, if people want to reach out to you, what do they do? Go to YouTube and type in Mosaic Comics. That's where I spend most of my time talking about Green Lantern and assorted things. And, you know, I just put up a video about the uh, Iron Lantern from Amalgam Comics, a fusion of uh, Green Lantern and Iron Man. And it's it's fun to plumb the depths of this franchise's history. And... I've got a hundred videos up there now that do just that. So if you are a fan of the Lantern cast and you've never given my content to try outside of episodes like this, then go on over to Mosaic Comics, scroll around. If something catches your eye, give it a shot. You know, we talked a lot about Guy Gardner tonight. Uh, one of my favorite and most personal projects on that channel is uh, is my Guy Gardner video which is uh, Red Lantern's One Angry Guy. Mm. And it talks all about the Charles Soule run of Red Lanterns and how that was such a meaningful story for Guy Gardner and really kind of brought to a head this character's entire history in a way, while leaving him in probably the best place any writer has ever, ever has. So that's mm-hmm. Mosaic Comics on YouTube. Hopefully you'll find something you'll like. Congrats on a hundred uh, videos, yeah, and also, Dan. thank you. Uh, you should you should talk about Emerald Warriors at some point because I think I think yes, I absolutely agree with you on Charles Soule's Red Lanterns, but I as as much as I point to Charles Soule's Red Lantern stuff as a great po- turning point for my perception of Guy Gardner, I think Emerald Warriors too I put on nearly the same pedestal. Okay, I mean I'm. Apparently, I'm going to have some real incentive to talk about Guy Gardner in 2025 <laughs> or so, right? You know, strikes permitting. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's but, better. Uh, it's it's better than the uh, two issue maxi uh, uh, prestige format series, which shall not be named. 
Don't you tempt me, Chad. <laughs> uh, Mark, if people want to reach out to us, what do they do? Lanterncast.com. Email us lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. 708 Lantern is the voicemail. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, Lanterncast Vids is also our YouTube channel. That's all she wrote, yeah. man. That's right. Good night, everybody. Sweet dreams and no night terrors for you. Ooh. Good night. Ooh. Spooky summer. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>